Guys, I want to talk to you this morning um, about peace. And I've titled this talk, uh, Getting Back Your Peace. If we could bring up that title, Leilani, that would be fantastic. So Philippians 4, 4 to 9. I want to start by asking you a question. How are you actually doing at the moment? I wonder if you'd answer that honestly if we were face to face over a cup of coffee um, and having a chat. In the middle of all that's going on, the uncertainty, the significance of world events, the exhaustion, the threat of this unprecedented pandemic, this incoming new normal. How are you doing? How would you answer? Good? Okay, okay-ish, bit of a wobble, a struggle, a bit off, a bit low or flat, unsettled, fearful, stressed. Now, I'm a pastor, so you know that I am absolutely fine, right? Because pastors are always happy, always sorted, always wholly positive and rejoicing, right? If I heard um, from a friend this week uh, about a pastor who went and visited a church and did that infamously dreadful thing of keeping his microphone on this uh, clip time mic on whilst he went to the toilet and the whole church heard this pastor go to the loo um, which is delightful and embarrassing and funny all at the same time but it struck me as something else my friend shared is that a few people at the church were surprised that the pastor needed to go to the loo at all uh, and said to him as a visiting minister I didn't realize you actually had to use the toilet it turns out folks that ministers Yes, need to use the loo, but only very occasionally, obviously. Um, uh, And also, they're not always feeling great. They're not always happy and on top of everything. I struggle the same as everybody else sometimes. And if I was answering it honestly to you this morning, how am I doing? I'd say that I realised, I've realised over the last couple of weeks, I've not been feeling brilliant. I've not been desperately unhappy, but I've just been a bit under a bit flat and I could feel it. And in preparing this sermon and to share with you now over the next 20 minutes, I realised what it was. I've been missing my sense of God's peace within me recently. That peace that sits under the surface had gone AWOL for a bit. And interestingly and wonderfully, and thanks to the Lord, as I've been preparing this sermon, God's been at work in me bringing my peace back. You see, Paul speaks twice about peace in this little passage, the Philippian passage we just had read. Firstly, he says, rejoice, be gentle, pray, 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 pray. And then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And then he says, set your minds on things that are good and true and copy my example. And then the God of peace will be with you. And this tells us two things, doesn't it? First, that peace is a really wonderful and important and good thing that Christians should know and experience. But secondly, if he's telling them that they have to live and act in certain ways to know and sense that peace of God, then it's also possible to not sense that peace of God sometimes. Now, we know God is always with us, but we don't always feel close to God, do we? And so, too, God's peace is always available to us. I believe that. But so often it's lacking in our lives. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you about this morning, getting back your peace. The first thing I want to affirm to you this morning is that peace is a gift that God wants you to have. In fact, it's more than that. It is a promise for you from God that you will have peace. So that means it's available, not just for others, not just for another time, but for you today, 
now. God's people, you see, throughout the Bible, always knew that God wanted them to experience peace in all its fullness. The biblical concept of peace is extraordinary. This word shalom in the Hebrew, it's enormously beautiful and profound. We could do a whole sermon series on it. It's about a way of living that is so different from the ways of greed and violence and self-seeking and pride and injustice and power and control and consumption. And it's about an end to war, sure. But it's also about an end to striving and strife. It's also about the fostering of good things, of communities, of friendships and family. It's about humanity living in right relationship with one another and with the world and all of creation. It's about wholeness and well-being inside and out, about justice and truth and dignity and worth and joy and contentment and completeness. It's about meaning and purpose and safety and flourishing. Wow. And so it was their constant blessing to one another in the Old Testament times. Instead of saying hello, they'd say shalom, peace. Instead of saying goodbye, they'd say shalom, peace. As many uh, folks of Jewish origin still say today. But the trouble was that in difficult, violent and troubled world in the Old Testament, peace always seemed far away. Something for the future, not for now. Yet when the son of God came to earth, do you remember those Christmas stories? What was it the angels announced? They announced peace on earth and God's favour now is available to mankind. When Jesus started his ministry, the first thing he declared would he come to proclaim good news for the poor and freedom and sight and liberty from the oppressed and favour from God. He'd come to bring the promised shalom of God. And before he went to that cross, Jesus said he had a gift for his followers. What was that gift? Peace. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. John 14 verse 27. This peace, in fact, was something that Jesus would pay everything to win for us. A peace he so longed for us to know that he would stand in our place at the cross to die on our behalf. As Isaiah says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Jesus bought God's peace for you at the highest price. It is a gift he longs for you to accept and to treasure. Thank you, Leilani, for bringing that up. And it can only come from him. You see, throughout history, nations and humans have strived to attain some notion of peace by charity or technology or science or politics or even by force. And we should never despise, but only ever cheer on the great efforts, the good efforts of all to work towards a fairer, more just and peaceful society. As Christians, we should collaborate and support and join in. But the peace that Jesus speaks of here, that Paul speaks of in this passage and that we need in our world so desperately needs is something the Bible says is far beyond just human attainment. It's not something that the world can give. In fact, Paul says in our passage that it's a peace that transcends all human understanding. Because this is a peace that can only come from knowing the goodness and the justice and the loving presence and care of God himself. 
This can only be known by those who are living in right relationship with him. And that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it's so much more than just the presence of God we need. Throughout history, um, bear with me if you're wondering what I'm saying here. Uh, God has shown himself to humanity over and over again. And what has humanity responded? They've been either afraid or terrified or run for the hills or they've fallen at the floor in fear or they've despised and hated and even sought to murder God as Jesus drew near. It's not just the presence of God you need in your life. It is that. But you need the presence of God when you're in right relationship with God. When God draws near and you don't have to run away. But you can know him, as Meg was talking about, as your heavenly father. This mighty, terrifyingly awesome, powerful God. Being in right relationship with him, knowing that you're a beloved son or daughter and that he's your father. And that you can draw close and not be afraid. That can only come through Jesus. You see, before I say anything else about peace this morning, most importantly of all, the peace of God that passes all understanding and that Jesus wants for you to know is built on the foundation of knowing God as your loving father, knowing him as your loving friend and knowing that you're forgiven and cherished in his eyes. Leilani, if you could bring the next title up. You see, all of the other beautiful and rich and wonderful aspects of shalom that the Bible speaks of, they're all outworkings of a life and a world lived under the care of Father God. They're the hallmarks of his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his justice, his provision and protection. And they can only be known fully when he is acknowledged as king. The peace of God is something that we can know when our lives are under his shepherding care. He's watching over us, his guidance and love. When his presence by his Holy Spirit is always near, for he lives within us. It doesn't mean God's not gracious to those who don't know him. He is so gracious. His kindness and his goodness, he pours out on all. But to know the peace of God that passes understanding, right relationship with God is the foundation. So whilst you try and do life without God, you can never receive this gift he has for you. It's a gift that can only come from him. Because our sin and our pride and our mess gets in the way of this relationship with God, gets in the way of this peace that passes understanding. There's no amount of scrubbing or cleaning or hiding or pretending that can get it out of the way. And that's why Jesus went to the cross for us, to get the mess out of the way, to pay the price for it, to take it all and put it on himself, to make possible for us a right relationship with Father God. And to purchase for us the gift of God's peace. Until you turn to Jesus as an ordinary human being and you just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my mess, my sin, my pride. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, you paid the price for me and went there in my place. Come and be my Lord and King. Then, until you do that, you will never know the forgiveness and love and peace of God. But as you do that, it comes flooding in. If you want to know the peace of God, then you can begin that right relationship with God. Even this morning begins with a humble heart turned to the Lord, surrendering to him. If you want to know more about it, you could come to the online Alpha course that we're running. Come and try the taster session. Come and find out more this Tuesday at 7.30. This is peace then, that 
nothing and nobody can shake. It's a foundation that will never move. This right relationship with God has been bought by Jesus and no one can snatch it away. But what if you're sat here listening this morning and saying, Matt, I am a Christian and I love Jesus. I have accepted him as my Lord and Saviour. Right now, like you described at the beginning, I don't sense that peace at all. Or not very much. Or firstly, I want to remind you the foundation hasn't changed for you. You are loved. You are cherished. You have been saved. You have been forgiven. And your heavenly father is near. But just as we thought about at the beginning, as Paul was teaching to the Philippians, although the foundation of peace never goes anywhere, the reality and experience of God's peace can be lost or can go absent for a while. The struggles and difficulties of life can wear us down and steal away that sense of peace. Lockdown, coronavirus, new normal can come in and can unsettle us and rob us of that peace. And yet this morning we must remember that Jesus told us the kingdom is near. It's not in its fullness yet. In this world you will have trouble, he said. But even in that trouble, he said, you can know his peace. You can know his peace. Think about it this way. The peace of God that passes understanding is like a climate or an atmosphere that you carry within you. Okay, so this is far from perfect. This is only a metaphor I'm using. And you could knock it slightly or criticise it, but just hold it for a moment as a metaphor. As a Christian, you carry with you the climate of God's kingdom or the atmosphere of heaven. You're learning to know the depths of how much you are loved, cherished and secure in God. You know his love and grace and kindness towards others. You know his justice and plans and will for this world is good. And this then is the climate of peace that the Holy Spirit is making real within you as a Christian. And it's from this place, this atmosphere, this climate of peace that you're making decisions, filtering your understanding of the world and living your everyday life. And the amazing thing is if you carry this climate within you, as the Holy Spirit makes possible, this peace of God within you, your climate can actually change the climate around you as well. A bit like a thermostat that changes the temperature in the room. When Paul entered the prison that he wrote this letter to the Philippians from in Rome, he changed the spiritual temperature rather than letting it change him. Paul didn't need peace around him. He brought the peace with him. Isn't that amazing? In prison, you could say there is no peace, atmosphere of peace, but there is when a person dwells there in right relationship with God, filled with the Holy Spirit and carrying the gift of God's peace within. That cell then becomes a mini part of the kingdom of God breaking in. Paul brought with him the atmosphere of heaven and so the will of God, as it is in heaven, broke into that prison. People came to know that peace for themselves. He changed the climate. You may have people of great faith that you know that come to mind who would just change the atmosphere of a room or a home just by being there, by walking in. But the trouble is sometimes if you're anything like me, 
you can sometimes be less like a thermostat that changes the temperature around and a little bit more like a thermometer that instead of changing it actually is changed by the atmosphere around the spiritual temperature of the place and time that you're in. Before you know it, you're not thinking very much of God. You're acting not out of his goodness anymore. You're not believing he can do much in this particular situation. You're not seeing others through his eyes and the climate of the kingdom diminishes in you. And loved as you are, you know deep down that you've lost your sense of God's peace. So this final thing I want to talk to you about before we move into communion. Is the battle for peace. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, that sounds odd, but hear me for a moment, because whilst peace is only ever a gift and only ever God's grace. Living out and maintaining the reality of that gift is often a battle. You see, the enemy wants to steal your sense of God's peace within you. You'll recognize that if you think about it and reflect on your journey as a Christian. He cannot take your salvation. He can't. But he can change your spiritual climate and he does it in all sorts of ways. And we need to recognize when it's happening. For example, just think there are days or moments that seem to steal your peace. You were doing fine, but then the car doesn't start or the laptop doesn't work or somebody nearly bumps into you on the way to work or you're late for a meeting or you have cross words with a neighbor or a friend and you become stressed and agitated and the climate within you changes for an hour or a day or two. And sometimes it's bigger things, seasons or times of great disappointment or family struggle or ill health or injustice or tragic loss or bereavement and the climate within you changes as you begin to question God's goodness and doubt his presence with you for a week or a month or even a year. Often it's easy to miss that this has happened because it can happen slowly, sometimes quickly, but sometimes slowly without us even noticing at all. Sometimes the only telltale signs are you're just a little grumpier than you normally are. You're a little more critical. You're less caring, less optimistic. You're flatter. And you're less inclined to pray and praise. You're out of sorts and you've lost your peace. So here's three things, three areas of our life just to dwell on. They're very short, but I want you to think about them this week. Areas about how do we get back our peace and how do we learn to keep it as Christians in the first place? Write them down on a piece of paper this morning as they come up. Dwell on them this week. As you yield to God the Father and ask him, what are you saying to me, Lord? The first one, very quickly, is attitude. If you could bring that up. Thank you, Leilani. The battle for peace often starts in the mind and we don't realise it. If someone once said what we think matters and it matters more than we think. It's true for us as Christians. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul writes to the Philippians about their way of thinking. He says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you hear it? He says, choose the attitudes of peace. Be joyful, gentle, prayerful, thankful. 
Don't just do the occasional prayer. That's not what he's saying here. Or give the occasional thanks. But orientate your whole heart and mind towards Father God throughout the day, each and every day. Learn to walk with him and hear him, be sensitive to him. Choose to remember the truth that he is near, that he is good. Despite how you feel, you are so loved. Choose the way of gentleness and thankfulness with others. Stop before you get out of the car or enter work or come back home and choose to go into that place with a positive attitude for others and their contributions being gentle rather than harsh, building up rather than tearing down. See God's possibilities rather than foster negativities. When we get our thinking and attitude wrong about ourselves and about God, about our situation or those around us, we begin to believe lies that unsettle us and steal our peace. Yet when we actively choose to surrender our thoughts and thinking, to orientate them to God through the influence of the Holy Spirit and the promises of God in his written word, the Bible, then the peace of God begins to guard our hearts and minds like a soldier. It's a beautiful picture. When you get your attitude right, the God, uh, God's peace defends you against the powers of lies to unsettle you. The anxiety that comes from seeking the approval from others protects you from the folly of conflict, the sting of criticism. Nope, you're not coming in today. Thank you very much. Off you go. As Sally said, the peace of God garrisons and mounts a guard over your hearts and minds. Do you need to change your attitude to get back your peace? I'll be quick now. There are two other areas of life Paul draws on. It's not just attitudes, it's also actions. The Bible tells us to strive for peace, to act towards it. It's clear actions matter. This month we focused on perhaps one of the most important actions of all, prayer. Paul is clear in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving and uh, requests. It's like a theosaurus. He just goes for every word he can think of all in each, each and every way. Get praying and pray and pray and pray, 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 pray. And then you will know God's peace. Anxiety is something that all of us can wrestle with. But for some, it's a really constant presence in our lives. I know that from seasons in my life, too. Yet prayer is one of the greatest gifts God has given us in response. If you haven't watched Ali Tinson's two talks on the anti-anxiety habit, which includes rooting yourself in prayer, the habit of prayer and how it can help you with anxiety and give you and bring you God's peace, then I commend them to you. They're available on our uh, YouTube site. You'll find links to them also on our church website on the prayer calendar there. As one writer wrote, anxiety and prayer are more opposed to each other than fire and water. Why? Because through prayer we draw near to the God of peace. But quickly, there are other things that we need to put into practice to get our peace back sometimes. Perhaps we need to repent. Do you know what? Sometimes we just need to stop and say sorry to God or to someone. We need to stop doing something we know is sinful or hurtful. It is destroying our peace. Perhaps it's finally time that we seek reconciliation with someone we've offended or who has offended us. Scripture's really clear. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18. Do not let division or hatred or unforgiveness steal your peace. Sort it out with an attitude of gentleness and prayerfulness and mercy. 
And finally, when it comes to action, I want to say this this morning. Don't think that having the peace of God is just a selfish thing. It means you get to just sit down and focus on some inner peace, like some sort of spiritual uh, new age thing. It's all about me and my peace. No, you and I are called by Jesus to be peacemakers in this world. The kingdom peace of God within us should stir us and strengthen us, inspire us to seek God's kingdom peace in this world. To serve the least and the last and the lost, to care about our neighbours and our communities, to speak up and act out in times like this, where the issues of justice, such as inequality and injustice that so many people still face today because of the colour of their skin or the place of their birth. We mustn't use the excuse of it doesn't affect me or I don't really understand or I just want to have my own peace. Thank you very much. No, let us listen. Let us seek to understand. Let us respond with love and grace and action for peace. We don't need the world to be right to have God's peace. Hear that. But once we have God's peace, we will strive to bring that peace to the world. Perhaps we've been too inward looking. God's inviting us to focus on serving and loving others rather than just dwelling solely on ourselves. Do you need to change your practice in some way to get back your peace? And finally, this morning, the last area of our life to think about is influence. Our peace can so easily be stolen by the things we choose to absorb. Really, it can. Now, we've already noticed that whilst our peace can be knocked by our circumstances and surrounding, it is also possible to know God's peace in the midst of tragedy and struggle and bereavement, even prison, as Paul did. So I'm not saying here, just quit your job and go find a monastery somewhere and live in a Christian bubble. No. What Paul is saying here is watch carefully what you choose to think about, to let influence you and who your role models in this life are. If you're struggling to feel God's peace, but you're reading books or listening to music or filled with dark uh, or watching TV programs that are filled with dark or adult content or crude or violent, don't doubt that the two can be linked. Really, they can. I'm no prude. I'm not saying we shouldn't read novels or watch TV or great movies. And some of them will have mature themes, things that they're dealing with. But I am saying be aware, be careful and stop. If you sense the numbing of the spirit within you, you realise it's stealing your peace. It's not worth it. Instead, Paul says these words. They are gorgeous. We want to put them on our wall once we've redecorated this room. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've heard or received, learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. The God of peace will be with you. These are the fruit of the spirit, the flavours of heaven, the climate of the kingdom. Dwell on them, absorb them, delight in them. Holy Spirit delights in them. Dig into God's word, treasure the Bible, take time to hang out with Jesus. Stop listening to or being influenced by that person that you've been striving to gain their approval, but who just keeps hurting you and treating you badly and knocking you down. Instead, find folks that inspire you, that build you up, have something about their faith that you want to listen and hang out with them. And it will rub off on you, too. Their climate might just change yours. 
Even if they live on the other side of the world, right now we've realized that we can find a preacher that inspires us, look them up on YouTube and get listening when we're doing housework or DIY or the daily commute. I love to listen regularly to Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel Church in Reading. But boy, when I'm feeling flat, it is such a battle to bother to listen. When my peace is gone, I I don't want to listen. But every time without fail, when I do, although I don't agree with everything he says, I'm always inspired and encouraged. Here's someone wiser and further along the journey than me. And it's so good to learn and be inspired and to know again the peace of God come and settle and fill me once more in my life. Friends, you need to change your influence to get back your peace. We may have some work to do. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. Things to change, actions, thoughts, influences. I want to finish as we now go into communion where I started and say that the peace that passes all understanding is a gift from God that he wants to give you. And I believe he wants you to receive it again, even this morning or maybe for the first time this morning as we turn towards communion now. So as we turn to the Lord's table, remembering what Jesus went to to win us this peace, orientate yourself now towards God. Open up your heart. Let down your walls. Let him speak. Let him stir within you. Let him touch your heart, soul and mind with is peace.